slayers gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful in the history of Magic the Gathering. Mystic Forge, Carnegie Creator, The One Ring, and many others battling head-to-head -head in brutal combat, they'll have one thing in common to uphold their legacy and the search for eternal glory. The Eternal Glory Podcast is brought to you by the minds behind Bosch and Roll on YouTube, Thorabian University, and TheEpicStorm.com. This episode is sponsored by Eminence Gaming. Hello, and welcome to episode 102 of the Eternal Glory podcast, Adapt or Die. We've already recorded 30 minutes of introduction and banter for the week available in our supporter-exclusive pre-show. Check out patreon.com slash eternalglory to gain access or join as a YouTube member for the same content on YouTube instead. As always, I'm Phil Gallagher, a.k.a. Thraben U. I am Brian Koval, a.k.a. Boston Roll. And I am Brian Cook of the Epic Storm. Shout out to our new patron members and YouTube members. We've got Mutant8, Adam, Valkyrie99, and Sean541. Thank you to our new subscribers. And if you're on the fence, this is how we keep this podcast going. So uh, check out those things that Phil just said. And speaking of keeping this pod podcast going, thank you very much to Eminence Gaming for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested in running an event or want your LGS to do so, but are worried about the logistics of it, check out Eminence Gaming's Command Tower software. You can create and manage four-player or 1v1 tournaments easily, and its unique pairing system ensures you don't get paired against the same players multiple times. Visit eminence.events for details. Now, let's go ahead and set the stage for this episode. Last week, or I guess two weeks ago, in our previous episode, we talked about the bangers of the Lord of the Rings set and kind of how they were slotting into legacy decks initially and which ones were actually good with a focus primarily on Orcish Bowmasters and the One Ring. Well, now we have two weeks of data, results, testing, and we're going to talk about how Legacy is changing, because this set is having a massive, massive impact on Legacy and is going to be changing a lot of paradigms and heuristics that you might be used to from old Legacy days. Yeah, we kind of saw Orcish Bowmasters coming. Like, obviously, Legacy is a format built on cantrips, and that kind of changed the rules of engagement. We have two other cards that we did mention in our last episode, but now that we have some time playing with and against them, really changed kind of the rules and how the format moves. And in addition to Bowmasters, we have the One Ring and Fourth Aerolingus, both of which uh, have completely changed both Stompy decks and Control decks and even some combo decks. Uh, they're they're affecting multiple archetypes on multiple fronts all right so let's start out with the bow boys maybe let's kind of group this into a couple of sections let's start with cantrips brian how have you changed playing with cantrips since this has been printed are you changing the timing of your brainstorms are you more afraid to cast ponders how have things changed in that basic regard kind of a 1v1 situation of ponder is in my hand and brainstorm is in my hand and my opponent has two open mana 
I'm likely to cast the ponder first. Obviously, all of this is contextual, but generally you want to brainstorm first, hit the fetch land, then crack that fetch land to cast ponder. And that sees the most cards and you get the most control over what you see. I want to put the ponder on the stack and I just take one extra if they have bowmasters and then I can respond to the bowmaster with the brainstorm which is not how I would like to sequence my cantrips anyway. And as far as not just the spell cantrips, but cards that replace themselves when they arrive, I think Baleful Strix went from one of my favorite cards to cast to just complete crap immediately. Just uh, it lines up so poorly against Bowmasters. Staff of the Storyteller, a card I was very excited about in all sorts of shells. I think that that card is pretty bad now too. And those were to archetype defining cards. Jeskai was built around Staff, and Grixis and Bug were built around Strix, and I think those cards are just kind of bad now. So I recently recorded with uh, an Esper Vile decklist, and excuse me, I'm going to have to look up the full name of this card. It was featuring one of the versions of Samwise, but there's a couple, featuring Samwise the Stouthearted, which is a 2-1 with Flash. When it ETBs, you can choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn, return it to your hand, the ring tempts you. And I started playing this deck, and it had Baleful Strix, and Samwise, and Recruiter of the Guard, and Lauren, and I really enjoyed playing this deck for a few minutes, and then I got paired against Orcish Bowmasters three or four times throughout the league, and all of my cards just got obliterated. It is going to change your evaluation of creatures within this format immensely. Brian, are you excited to sleeve up Fairy Mastermind anymore? I'm not, Phil, I gotta tell you. I have goofed around with it alongside Bowmasters in the same deck where you just have eight ways to beat up on a cantrip for two mana and your opponent is never safe. Uh, I did kind of enjoy that, but when eight slots in your deck are Bowmasters and Fairy Mastermind, your opponent's Bowmasters are pretty freaking good. It's a, it's a tough time to be an X1 in this format. And I've, I've queued into multiple Dryad Arbor decks in this past two weeks of grinding and let me tell you how many of those i've just killed put it right in the graveyard nice green sun zenith your shit is dead cool sinkhole plus two power in play go rough it's rough to be that sort of deck right now i also have been changing my play patterns with orcish bowmaster yesterday I recorded a doomsday league i get paired against esper scam my opponent goes turn one underground sea go Turn two, fetch land, go. And I'm like, you, so you got the hand that does nothing the first two turns? I was like, obviously you have a Bowmaster, so I'm not going to play my Brainstorm. I pass, they play third land, go. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit on this Brainstorm. We played a full another turn cycle before they decided to break and then cast the Bowmaster. And then I just responded with double Brainstorm. Uh, well, it was fetch brainstorm fetch brainstorm fetch or whatever but like you do have to just like acknowledge that people keep hands for a reason if your opponent is not doing anything or they're making weird decisions they're probably sitting on a bowmaster waiting to get you you should try to not give them a 4-4 every time i think of a play pattern like that i think of the collected company era in standard a bunch of cards ended up banned out of that standard format but i just remember patrick sullivan and cedric phillips on scg coverage just hamming it up anytime somebody played their fourth land and passed the turn and the two just had this running gag where they're like oh that's so unlucky you just didn't have a four drop wow just passing the turn in your creature deck without a play on four mana wow that sucks and, and they just really hammed it up every time that happened. And it's Collected Company. In Legacy, passing two, with two up. Cool. Bowmasters, I see it. You might you might as well just main phase it because your opponent can see it. You're not going to get anyone with that. There is one thing that I have not figured out yet, which is I am 
primarily at this point, a bobble gamer. I play eight bobbles in the Epic Storm and I haven't figured out the perfect timing yet. Like I know a lot of the times when I want to use the bobbles, but there's a weird dynamic with Orcish Bowmasters because it's a black card, right? And in black matchups, I've been teaching myself the last year or so, I want to bobble on their turn. So that way they can't discard the cards that I'm then going to draw. Well, now if you wait to bobble on their turn, they get to Orcish Bowmasters you. So there's a weird tension in how you should be using your cantrips right now. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a, this is the new world. We need to solve it. There's going to be some really interesting changing of evaluations of cards. So for example, say you're playing Death and Taxes. You're on the draw. You play a turn one Mother of Runes. That is a card that just dies to Orcish Bowmasters now. And you're going to have to reevaluate how good cards like that are going to be within your shell and if you had an opening like a mom into thalia that's a generically good opening is that true anymore maybe not it's time to call up stepmom with that two booty oh <laughs> that's a bad legacy card but yeah that that is the type of thing that we're talking about here um have some like the next part of this we kind of structured our notes as these are the changes and then how do we apply them but i think it kind of we have a natural flow here to talk about an application since bryant brought up the two toughness a deck that i really like and recently had some success with cephalid breakfast is built on resolving and protecting an x1 two drop and trying to draw a bunch of cards to set up your combo seems like orcish bowmasters would light up perfectly against that and what i found in my testing since the card was legal although it was technically legal in the tournament i won but nobody had them yet but now that it, it's out there is when you're shoving your combo that combo was already built to beat swords to plowshares lightning bolt pyroblast and Bowmasters cost twice as much as those things. So I'm not worried about Bowmaster as a removal spell. What I'm worried about is if the first combo gets stuffed, like if they have the two forces or if they have Bowmaster with force backup or whatever, and then what you have to settle into that cantrip, Staff of the Storyteller, grind back in and present a second combo game, which Breakfast was really good at, Bowmasters farms you in that phase of the game. Uh, so I'm thinking Stoneforge Mystic, 1-2 Creature, Grab Cauldra, just disrespect that Bowmasters, trample right over the top of it. Uh, Brazen Borrower was the main deck removal spell of choice in my Baltimore list, and the previous iteration before that had two Swords to Plowshares in the main. Maybe it's time to revisit Swords to Plowshares. Maybe it's time to revisit Stoneforge Mystic, and just sort of use this existing technology to respect the card. I did something kind of wild, and I played a Death and Taxes League with Chrome Mox, instead of Aether Vial, and a minimal number of X1s, like running Ancient Tomb in the deck list to try to run Hate Bears like Archon of Ameria and Anointed Peacekeeper that just have higher toughness to go and play around Orcish Bowmasters preemptively. The, the League was a little wild because I was asked to run four copies of the One Ring, which is maybe a little dubious in Death and Taxes, but playing the big booty creatures felt good. I played draw go against an opponent who clearly had orcish bowmasters in their hand for something like 10 turns before they finally gave up, played it, and then I just like removed it and played out the X1 like the couple of X1s that were sitting in my hands and that play pattern felt very good for me. Phil, there's actually a name for that deck. It's the Initiative. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it was a pretty popular legacy deck a couple months ago. Yeah, um, I, I think ultimately, like what I was trying out is just like going to be better as an initiative deck with copies of the one ring. But I think trying to 
play alternative larger creatures is going to be a good thing if you're trying to force dnt i don't necessarily like the black white dnt builds that are running around that are just splashing orcish bowmasters it it does things but i just got my ass kicked by opposing orcish bowmasters deck still because i had too many x ones i think that is the best version of dnt to exist against combo having bowmasters alongside four thought sees i thought was actually very effective uh, so now you have another one drop that isn't exactly uh, deafening silence that's relevant. And you don't have to play super narrow cards like Mindbreak Trap because Thought Seize is just widely applicable. So I do think that's nice, but I also don't know if combo is so good in the format right now that you necessarily need to do that. But maybe Bowmasters is the, the key that they need. I don't know. Like That sort of thing will be very good against, say, like the Paradox Engine one ring deck, right? Like... Thought seize, take them off their first play, then drop a spirit or a bowmasters or whatever and make their life a little bit more miserable. Like that is going to be very good in those sorts of situations. I know that Brian mentioned Baleful Strix previously, and I've been having this thought in my head and we're just sort of freeforming here, but Ice Fang Quaddle and Baleful Strix are both cards that are very good at stealing the initiative that we just mentioned, but also Monarch. Right now, there's a very, very, very popular card that gives you the Monarch. But I think that maybe this is the first time where those cards actually aren't good uh, at stealing the Monarch. Because with 4th Aerolingus, Phil, you can correct me however you want. I, that's how I say it. But your Ice Fang Quaddle or Baleful Strix is just going to get overrun because they're usually making multiple creatures and being bad versus Bowmasters. I think we're sort of in a unique era of Legacy where those cards are just like kind of stinky and not even good at doing the job that they used to. Palace Jailer was a very popular, very strong card for a long time. Uh, like Stoneblade, Blue Eye Control style decks were playing it because like it was a very reasonable way to snowball a game. And then we started seeing those evasive creatures, especially ones with Flash that would take that. But yeah, um, you were just talking about before we went live a, a screenshot of fourth air lingas for x equals 10 being cast like yeah good luck taking over the game with your ice fang coaddle against that even if you do it for half of that you know for five even for four that's so much power and a lot of times like to hold the initiative or monarch these days like you need to do something like get in with a creature take it board wipe hope they don't have another thing that can take it afterwards because, man, the second, fourth Aerolingas for a decent X number is disgusting. I got I got to say, I've I read the card, obviously, and I've seen it cast and in deck before. But fourth Aerolingas, the first time you actually play against that card and your opponent just even for five mana, just X equals three is that thing. And then they have three two two haste tramples and they have the monarch and those two two haste tramples don't go anywhere. Is all other magic cards in the history of the game that have text like this are like, and those tokens die at the end of turn. And these ones just don't. They're in there. The knights, they stay. And it's like, for the same price as, as the Wandering Emperor, you instead of one two two Vigilance, you get 2 2, two Haste Tramples and the Initiative. It's bonkers. Uh, like Mopping up after that, and the things... They keep trample. It's not even like make X two twos. They gain haste and trample until end of turn. It's they just, they just have those words. They're gonna keep trampling. They're gonna take the monarch and they're gonna keep it. And if they can't keep it, they're gonna take it right back. That card is messed up. 
super efficient cantripping fireball that leaves bodies. It feels good. Also, it imprints under Chrome Mox for two different colors, which is uh, definitely relevant in the red-white initiative deck if you're playing it there. Seems bonkers that the card isn't even XX. It's just, remember when Entreat the Angels was a legacy win condition? Look at that next to fourth Aerolingus and you're just like, what has happened to sorcery speed make a token creatures before? A Phil Blackman who is editing this pod, probably screaming, crying, shitting his pants, just hearing us talk about this. What it do? What up everybody? Force of Phil here. Everybody started calling me Fourth of Phil for some reason, so I went and I read the card and I am absolutely screaming, crying, shitting my pants. It takes the monarch. That's what it do. There's a new what it do in town, fourth Aeolingus. It even loops better with Mystic Sanctuary. It's messed up. Uh, this this is a paradigm shifter for sure. Not not that I'm a Nurset player, but if I was a Nurset player, I'd be thinking a lot right now about if I should actually be playing that card. So previously in the last week of my playing Legacy Leagues, I've seen a lot of bad deck building, playing Narset alongside Orcish Bowmasters or Holebreacher alongside Orcish Bowmasters. Those things generally don't go well together. But also, like imagine trying to defend Narset versus Fourth Aerolingus right now. Uh, it's just incredibly difficult. And if the control mirrors are going to be about that, maybe Narset isn't the card you should be playing i'm gonna take that one a step further i'm gonna do what might be a hot take i think planeswalkers are close to unplayable in legacy so take something like liliana of the veil like let's start with a lower end planeswalker liliana of the veil minuses to edict leaving liliana at one loyalty just imagine how poorly that lines up versus something like orcish bowmaster okay minus i get your orc token your orcish bowmaster kills liliana or minus your opponent flashes in orcish bowmasters loses the token, pings Liliana, and protects the thing that you were trying to get rid of in the first place. And I think between the one ring, which we'll talk about in a minute, being another great mid-range slash control card, fourth Ilinga's offering haste and go wide ability of protecting planeswalkers and bowmasters pinging them i don't i don't want to be using mana on planeswalkers except in a couple of niche scenarios with maybe like grist in a fiend artisan shell or something yeah i i think there are three playable planeswalkers in legacy right now and they are teferi and minskin boo but only if you're casting them off the lighted halfling i think that is a a whole archetype that needs its own respect. Turn two to fairy, turn three Minskin Boo is still going to GG anyone. And the third Planeswalker that is worth playing is the One Ring. Yeah, uh, that's fair. People used to joke, Deathrite Shem is a one mana Planeswalker. Well, the One Ring is Jace the Mind Sculptor. The One Ring is better than Narset. The One Ring, I've even played like Soren the Mirthless in Index as a non-pyroblastable source of card advantage. One Ring invalidates all of those cards. And if you thought Jace the Mind Sculptor was powerful, imagine if you could Dark Ritual into it. Imagine if Ancient Tomb City of Traders cast it. Imagine if Karn could wish for it. Imagine if non-blue decks could could just play it. That's actually what we're talking about with the One Ring. It's kind of like Uro in the play pattern of once your opponent taps their four mana and resolves their thing, you're way behind. Except unlike Uro, it doesn't go through the graveyard, requires no setup, not susceptible to graveyard hate, not susceptible to creature removals or pyroblast or Krakus or anything, and every freaking deck can play it. The One Ring is nuts. In the last two weeks, I have not recorded a single video that did not contain either 
Orcish Bowmasters or the One Ring. And that's not just me from like content creator perspective trying to, you know, farm views on the new flashy stuff. That's like legacy has changed. Your deck needs to upgrade probably using these cards or to at least prepare against them. Remember three months ago, or I, that's just a wild guess, but we were like, what's going to replace Expressive Iteration? Is it going to be Reckless Impulse? It was the One Ring. It's been a turbulent, uh, sorry to interrupt phil but i want to just riff on what brian just said because we and by we i mean honest control and mid-range players had a renaissance we got staff of the storyteller we got fairy mastermind ei was banned the world was our oyster it was so exciting it, after living our entire lives without jeskai having a playable two drop suddenly we had multiple to select from and then here's this here's the one ring and now every deck has a better planeswalker than your blue deck does and you have to keep up with it somehow and racing it is very difficult because it gives protection from everything when it arrives just it's a tough time i'm not normally the biggest blue mage but there is one other card that has caught my eye from being on the other side of the table of it and that is sauron's ransom one blue and a black for an instant choose an opponent they look at the top four cards of your library and separate them into a face down and a face up pile you put one pile into your hand and the other into the graveyard and the ring tempts you i have seen this as sort of an instant speed air quotes draw two that avoids orcish bowmasters while being something reasonable to loop back with mystic sanctuary a little bit later have you all encountered this if so what are your thoughts on it i have encountered it and it's extra busted on magic online where you're not sure which pile you're making uh maybe it defaults to like the the piles are presented in the order that they're listed on the card but it doesn't clearly mark a face down pile face up pile it just gives you two boxes to move cards around in that was my experience it does it's on the left side in small letters great great yeah i <laughs> my opponent cast this card two boxes appeared the four cards i saw were ponder brainstorm uro uro and i was like well i don't want them to know they could just put these uros in the graveyard for free how do i stack this and then i just freaking guessed at which one was which uh maybe i didn't look close enough but that was miserable but as far as actually resolving the card this card does seem sweet this is a mini game it can be better than a, a two for one especially if you have graveyard synergy like Uro. This is a very powerful card, and any instant speed effect is worth looking at. Just in case this hasn't been said on this pod before, by the way, when the ring tempts you and you choose a ring bearer, that thing does become legendary. So, Caracas gamers, you can live the dream of bouncing a Murktide region or something every once in a while. I won't lie, this whole conversation has me wondering if I should be playing or trying out at least Fourth Aerolingus as a Burning Wish target. I think I have something to do tonight after we're done recording. And genuinely, yes, I think. If you've ever in your life cast Ave Progenitor Ooze as a storm outlet, Fourth Air Linkus is probably just better than that. Also, like, this is very reasonable once your opponent has boarded out removal spells, right? Like, if you're on, I will win with my one copy of Fourth Air Linkus in my deck eventually, like, haha, I have made three knights, good luck, idiot, is totally legit if you're also the monarch but also if you're a storm gamer removal people keep it that they keep in is like deal one to all creatures okay my knights take one you know what i mean what is it called the the one that destroys a creature with defender and artifact or deals one to everything crash into something yeah i know what you mean I forget the name of the card, though. But Delver players have been playing that recently. One thing that's interesting about both Orcish Bowmasters and the One Ring is it fits into every archetype. You are fine playing those cards if you are control, combo, mid-range, tempo, 
stompy whatever the cards just have the raw power level that they are acceptable you can play orcish bowmaster combo where you try to wheel your opponent and kill them i've seen reanimator decks playing bowmaster in their sideboard um oftentimes alongside something like shouldered or dalthy voidwalker to just give you a man plan that doesn't rely on you executing your combo to get wins. The one ring is slotting into control decks. It has its own dedicated combo deck. Initiative decks are just going and playing it out. These cards are ubiquitously powerful and utilizable. Yeah, I got got really hard the first time I paired into Reanimator after Bowmasters was readily available. Like, I, I know they've been juking. They've been switching into Dothy Voidwalker out of the sideboard and kind of reanimator's plan for the last few months has been a moving juke where the deck can be reanimator, it can be show and tell, or it can be Dothy Voidwalker beat down. And usually after board, it's some combination thereof and you have to whack-a-mole it. I played against a reanimator player who may genuinely not have had Entomb and reanimate in their deck anymore after sideboard. And I saw Orcus Bowmaster, Dothy Voidwalker, and Oppo Agent. And that was just not a deck I was prepared to play against. There is the reanimator list that won two different challenges in the last month or so that just boarded into Black-White Initiative post-board. I saw that one. Hawk about the one ring when you are playing it in a fair way you need a way to get rid of the one ring or otherwise mitigate the life loss if you are planning on keeping it around for a while so some things people have been doing uh, some people will Teferi bounce it to reset the loyalty. Commonly, you just find another one and play it to reset the number of counters on it. Shouldred is very cute with the one ring, so you gain two life every time you draw a card, and the one ring will gain you more life than you are losing. I had a game where I had to Liliana ultimate myself to get rid of the one ring because it was going to kill me. So make sure you are having a plan for getting rid of the one ring if you can't just utilize you know two or three turns to just kill your opponent the slower your deck is at ending the game the more incidental life gain or ways you need to get rid of or bounce the one ring you do need what's this is not a meme and i alluded to this last episode i believe about like cards that exile artifacts that are playable in legacy we recently gained cast into the fire there's obviously four mana for prismatic ending was wizards when they released that terrible article about leyline binding so far into the tank that they were thinking about the one ring is that our playable savior because honestly outside of like teferi bounce and stuff like that there isn't a whole lot that sees play that answers the one ring Haywire Might is a good one. That one got me the other day. I kept an all in the one ring hand that that just came down on turn one and shit on my day. You can also just like Pithing Needle it and any deck can play that. That comes out of Urza Saga packages as well. Uh, there, there are reasonable answers to it. It's also a four mana spell. Like maybe we're just have not innovated our way back around a spell pierce yet. Just the answers to stuff. I've seen a lot of spell snares. I've seen a lot of stern scoldings. Uh, a lot of people respecting Bowmaster right now. And the one ring is just sort of flying off the top rope to end the game over all this silly soft permission and you know, make spell pierce great again. That might be a place to explore. But prismatic ending for four is obviously something I'm excited about. I've been saying since that card was printed that that fourth pip, whether you're a full four color deck or even if you can just randomly generate a treasure in your three color deck or you have carpet of flowers or if you have some any peripheral access to that fourth pip, prismatic ending goes through the roof. There's also triumphs. There's a lot of cards. 
Right, exactly. One thing about playing Spell Pierce, though, is I think it does create feel bads when you're facing the Bowmaster decks and you're just sitting there dying to orcs with a Spell Pierce in your hand. But we're at a point right now where both Bowmaster and the One Ring are literally everywhere and you are you have to pick and choose what you want to be. And also, that's what your sideboard's for. And casting the Fire Beats in both Ping Ping on the Bowmaster and the Army at, or Exile the Ring. Seems almost like somebody in R&D maybe thought about that. And they were like, how can we put a common answer to these two busted rares into our set? All jokes aside, I don't think Legacy is unwell enough that we're main decking cast into the fire. But that is a clean answer to either one of these things. Well, you don't have to necessarily main deck it, but I'm not even seeing a whole lot of cast into the fires in the sideboards. I, I've seen a couple in the sideboards of Delver, but not even all of them. Do you think more people should be playing it as someone who would actually play the card? Maybe, probably. I've been putting it into any sideboard that can cast it lately with my brewing. I think it's it's worth exploring. Uh, I like the space. Uh, the, the real squeeze here, though, is kind of the reality of numbers because we all feel bad when we get btfo'd by the hot new card and i had a coaching session the other day about someone who's just like i've been on this deck for six months i'm very proud of my results and what i've made out of the deck but i cannot beat bowmasters and i think the deck is dead and then we actually looked at the numbers and obviously mtg goldfish incomplete information etc uh, asterisks on anything that comes out of goldfish but looking at the goldfish legacy metagame only three and a half of the top 15 decks actually had bowmaster in them and those decks represented 16 percent of the field so if you're like bowmasters everywhere i'm gonna main deck cast into the fire or some really niche answer i'm gonna main deck plague engineer that's just blank against 84 percent of decks you're gonna play against and it's in a spot where there was a, a period where every black deck was playing Bowmasters and every deck that wasn't playing black was flashing black for Bowmasters. And we've left that and it's kind of settling into places where it actually should be and makes sense in as far as what decks want to be doing and kind of giving it that time to settle. And then what natural answers do you have? Are you a lightning bolt deck? Can you pick off Bowmasters and then deal with the 1-1 army somehow? We're not at main deck cast into the fire. We're, we're just not there. We're not even close. I think in the challenge events we are seeing the percentage of bowmasters is extremely high like i think it was like surgical extraction levels of played in the showcase challenge i know pvdh tweeted out the exact numbers but i think it was something like orcish bowmasters was in 30 percent of decks in the legacy showcase challenge for example okay it is the top creature according to MTG Goldfish right now at 22%. That all that all makes sense and those are high numbers, but they're not close to half of the field. They're not 100%. They're only that 30% number is even over a quarter. Where like the the point I was making is like if you're going to hurl your deck in the trash cuz it can't beat Bowmasters or if you're going to take some dramatic thing like main decking some hyper specific answer to bowmasters you're leaving money on the table in 70 plus percent of matchups you play find ways to respect this card without being insane about it is what i'm saying i'm gonna take a second and just read the top 10 cards real quick uh t- top 10 creatures that is orcish bowmasters and number one number two is brazen borrower number three is murktide regent four is plague engineer five is fairy macabre how crazy is that six That's is containment priest Seven is Endurance. So five through seven are all graveyard hate. 
Number eight is Collector Oof, which stops the wondering. Number nine is Simeon's Spirit Guide. And number 10 is Dragon's Rage Channeler. Delver of Secrets no longer makes the top 10 creatures of Legacy. Okay, so our top 10 creatures of Legacy, two of them are just straight up not creatures, Spirit Guide and Macabre. I mean, sometimes it happens, but we all know that's not why you put it in your deck. And then there's a bunch of backstops like Endurance and Plague Engineer. The, the only like actual creatures on that list were Murktide Region and Dragon's Rage Channeler. And then everything else is just some spell that's technically a creature. I think that's kind of cool. I, like, I, I'm not complaining, just pointing out that that's, that's where we are as a society in the legacy format. Your creatures can't just be creatures. And if they are just creatures, they better be freaking Murktide Region. Notably, despite how much we are talking about the one ring here, it is not in the top 50 cards within the format right now when we just go to spells in legacy we are talking about it it is having an impact people are still in the adaptation and like learning to play with it and learning to deck build it with it stage yeah modern is going through this place right now with the one ring where it kind of goes like any other busted card i think the one ring will be banned shortly after the modern pro tour there is a modern PT coming up. People are actively testing for it at this time. I don't think they're going to take any action right away. Also, this set has just been out a few weeks. But I do think the One Ring is out of bounds for modern. And it's following the pattern of other busted cards in the past, like Oko, where it's like, oh, we could play this one. Let's try it. Let's try one. And it's like, oh, that was pretty good. Let's play two. And then it became, oh, wait, snap off the dial at 11 for all decks. Remember when Burn was 5-0ing with Oko in it? That's kind of where the one ring is headed like one ring combo breach is one of the top decks in modern right now tron is back built on the back of one ring omnath now has a second set of four mana unbeatable payoffs in the one ring plus omnath and that's a teferi deck that can reset the ring easily it's also a deck that can play delighted halfling and ramp into omnath or the one ring omnath's life gain offsets the one ring this thing is freaking everywhere and it's hyper toxic in modern and my original read was the one ring is kind of like Uro in that it's probably going to be out of bounds for every format weaker than Legacy and probably okay in Legacy and beyond. And I'm not calling for bans. I'm not turning on the alarm yet. But having seen the one ring and the slow adaptation of it, it is Uro, but you don't need to play blue and green or go through the graveyard or have a cantrip heavy deck that can fill its graveyard to escape it. It very stupidly good. And since I got turned onto it, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, every deck that comes through my channel, I'm just like, I think this wants two one rings at the top end. This is a control deck. I'm going to cut all the Jaces and Narsas and just play four one rings. And all of the decks have improved for it. And that's kind of concerning to me. I've been watching the tweets from the Paradox Engine Mystic Forge pilots, and they seem to think their deck is very broken, that people need two to three pieces of interaction relatively early on, or their deck just runs over people. Yeah, that was true before the One Ring, and now the deck is, it got hyper, hyper focused. I mean, this is like Karn the Great, or uh, Karn Liberated was for Tron lands. It's just like, here's the perfect friggin' thing, as if Wizards designed it specifically for what's going on here. Force of Vigor was the premier removal spell for artifacts and enchantments, and well, it's indestructible. So it gave that deck a way to beat Force of Vigor very easily. It's also something that survives a meltdown. And if you start gearing towards something like cast into the fire to answer the one ring, then it doesn't answer all the other artifact bullshit. Uh, so for example, uh, cast into the fire is very good against the one ring specifically, and hence this deck. But then you get paired against eight cast where you're 
one for one removal spell doesn't keep up with like thought casts and thought monitors and emery recursion and stuff i felt that artifact hate in sideboard space has often been taxed heavily in trying to respect different things right now yeah and one big criticism of cast into the fire is that the deal damage mode is not fire it's not split two damage among any number of things it's deals one to each of up to two creatures you can't pick off emery you can't pick off stoneforge mystic two is out of bounds for it delighted halfling same thing uh it it does not kill a lot of the things that you would like a red removal spell to we might settle into a place where we realize a braid was just better all along for that reason but uh yeah one ring being specifically what it is uh, it's pretty important to exile it to circle back to the top creatures of legacy when you look at the top decks in the format reanimator stands at the top gristlebrand was not in the top 10 and something i've been thinking a lot about is how reanimator reacts to orcish bowmasters Oh, baby, it's the Atraxa arc. Bryant is about to tell us how good Atraxa is. I'm so ready for this. Uh, Go ahead. Keep talking. Keep talking. Phil, I wanted you to enjoy this. I'm glad you picked it up early. I think that this is the first time, and Phil ended up being accidentally right, that Atraxa should be seeing more play in Legacy Reanimator. Not being a draw trigger that then deals you 14 damage overall, I think has a lot of value. So if I were someone that really liked putting creatures from my graveyard to the battlefield and making my opponents miserable, I would be looking at maybe an even split between Gristlebrand and Atraxa. I have an on-camera match where my opponent puts a Grizzlebrand into play, I kind of slump down. I'm like, I can't beat that. They just never activate it, attack me for seven twice, and I die. And then they activated it. I flashed in Orcish Bowmasters and killed them. And it was just like, oh, well, cool. Like, glad you didn't play around that. Changing paradigms, folks. Phil got to be right, and I hate it. Yeah, I I mentioned uh, my coaching client who was going to throw his whole deck in the trash over Bowmasters, and... It is a, a Grizzlebrand deck. And uh, one of the things we talked about was like, how about just you know settle for your 7-7 seven, seven lifelink? Don't go ham the second it's in play. Because it's a deck that wants to put Grizzlebrand into play, draw 14, and then end the game. And maybe we just we just don't do that into two open mana anymore and enjoy our, our gigantic idiot. It's kind of funny if you look back at the last decade and a half of Legacy, there's been a lot of people out there that are like, ban Brainstorm! Get it over with. Remove Brainstorm from the format. Blue decks are too good. And now when you look at the last handful of years, we've received Narset, Holebreacher, Orcish Bowmasters. Being a Brainstorm gamer has never been worse. Not that Brainstorm's unplayable, but like the card has been kicked down a few levels. And uh, I wonder how those people feel now. Even before that, Leovold, Spirit of the Labyrinth, uh, Watsi has been trickling out. Their anti-brainstorm agenda has been clear for quite some time now. I have been a brainstorm gamer basically the whole time, and I feel the squeeze from time to time. I'm still very happy to have brainstorm in my deck, but yeah, it is settling into a space where it's risky to do. Twitter has been going through this discourse of what's the best card in Legacy, and a lot of people snap answer brainstorm, and I've been hearing more and more people go like, yeah, it's probably Ancient Tomb these days as like people are powering out the one rings and initiative creatures and all that various stuff i don't think i agree with either of those answers if i'm being honest it's probably just force of will and it probably always has been force of will but i mean those cards are easily two three like i think ancient tomb is actually underrated i'm in the tank about the force of will take force of will is 
only as good as its environment. I can't wait to board out Force of Will when somebody's not presenting a single game ending spell in their deck. I'm like, okay, good. I could get this horrible card out of my deck. This is a bad deal unless you're going to freaking die and you're not going to freaking die unless someone are presenting something broken. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, d I don't have a, a result on, on that line of thinking, but yeah, Force, Force of Will is, is in a vacuum, not a good deal. And in context could be a very good deal, but the context has to be busted. Somebody else is casting something busted, and that's probably a better answer for what the best card is in Legacy than Force of Will. Well, I happen to be looking at the most played cards in Legacy overall, and Force of Will... That's a different thing. I'm aware, but Force of Will is first in 55% of decks, but there's also four copies played overall. And then if you look down at the rest of the list, it's like... 3.2, 2.5, 2.2 or whatever. But like everyone agrees, you have to play four Force of Will and it's in 55% of decks. Like over half of the people that play the format think that you need Force of Will. Uh, that is why I chose it. Not because it's the top play card. It's just like, it's ubiquitous. Everyone agrees. Or well, at least 55% of intelligent people agree. Yeah, everyone agrees that there are a lot of good cards in Legacy and we need to take our medicine and be able to answer them. They don't necessarily agree that Force of Will is the best one. This will go nowhere. It, it, it's just a philosophical question of in a world where everything's broken, is the thing that stops the broken actually the best thing? Or do we only need that because there are broken things? Like if Force of Will was in standard, I don't even know if I would put it in my deck. Maybe I don't play standard and that's a horrible take, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a bad deal most of the time when formats exist on axes where you could like doom blade their thing you can also choose to not listen to the guy that chooses the castroid of flame that's also like an acceptable thing that's I've true been doing that for years ouch tells a sicko start to approach the tail end of this episode what sort of things are you thinking about with the format moving forward like we've established some very basic things like x1 creatures maybe not something you want to be playing in large numbers you know, you probably need to have an answer or plan for the one ring in some capacity, and you maybe want to start thinking about some board wipes or some other way to deal with a bunch of too, too hasty, trampley creatures. What sort of other things are on your mind in terms of deck building, sideboarding, that sort of stuff that we haven't covered yet? When you look at the format, obviously reanimator is everywhere right now, right? And then there's a lot of bug scam, and then there's recently a lot of Bowmasters decks. All those things are black, and a lot of them are also blue. What card is good versus black and blue? Oh, you're going to say Veil of Summer? There we go, Phil. I'm glad you got there. Uh, I was going to say Great Sable Stack. <laughs> Veil of Summer is so good right now, and I think that not enough people are playing it. Like, Brian, I'm not going to tell you how to build your hot bant sideboards, but if I were you, I'd be playing a few Veil of Summers in there at the moment. Like, I think that it needs to go from zero-ish numbers to probably two-ish numbers. The problem with Veil of Summer with specifically Bowmasters is that it doesn't do anything. I guess it, it could like fog your shit for or fog the Bowmaster trigger for one turn, uh, but they still have a big army at the back end of it and you got to deal with that. I, I don't know. It just doesn't line up the way that I'd like it to, but I do like the card. Uh, it, I just don't think it helps too much with specifically Bowmaster. It, uh, it is good abstractly against your animator and scam, though. Rules moment. Orcish Bowmasters has a trigger, right? So if you cast something like a Veil of Summer and you make the target for Orcish Bowmasters illegal, you are no longer amassing orcs. So paper magic players, please keep that one in mind. 
It does on Magic Online. I'm just going to throw that out there. My opponent's orcs have been getting very large, and then they... So the trigger happens, their orc gets bigger, and then they keep on pinging the same orc because it will never die. Yeah, th- that works. Uh, what what feels... And that's what I was talking about before. I guess the way that you would do this, the, the correct sequencing, is you cast your Brainstorm, your opponent orcs, and you should let all the orc triggers go on the stack. Uh, but they then they get the first ping. So... I guess if you get the first ping, I'm trying to think if there's a a way that you could give them zero orcs between a brainstorm and veil of summer. And I don't think there is because they'll also draw off the veil of summer, which could create another ping and they could just ping their face for the first one and create the army and then ping the army and grow it for all subsequent pings. Like you get to stuff one of those along the way, but they'll still get the other four. But to answer Phil's uh, question here of what are you, what am I looking for? I'm looking for more shells for the One Ring. Uh, what is the limit on this thing? Is this just any deck that plans on playing five or six turns of a game should have access to this thing? Is it that stupid? Is that over the line? Are we going to enter an era where control decks just play two Ancient Tomb to get your One Ring down a turn earlier? Like, are we just Jeskai Control with two Ancient Tombs and three One Rings? And, and that's kind of how we're moving forward from here. Uh, does Hall Breacher and Narset Although they are not good for the reasons we described earlier, do we need those to kind of chew up the One Ring? Those those cards that are bad with and against Bowmasters, but great against One Ring, there's some interesting tension there. Yeah, I'll be looking for where I can put the One Ring and how I can beat the One Ring in One Ring Mirrors. Brian, you mentioned Ancient Tomb and City of Traders stacks. I would agree that the One Ring obviously seems great there, but there's a lot of decks that play those cards that aren't playing it. Like, I haven't seen a single show-and-tell list that has the One Ring in it, and I think that's actually a decent home for it. A lot of the times with show-and-tell, you have these soul lands that don't really cast anything in your setup turns because, like, you're choked on blue mana between Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, all that stuff. The One Ring you could accelerate into on turn two protects you from an attack that then stabilizes you and draws you three cards before you can show-and-tell win the game, etc. I think it it's actually like a reasonable home there. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Nobody listened to the, this part of the episode. Turned it off three minutes ago. JPA, you owe me royalties. Yeah. So I am thinking about like stony silences and collector oofs a lot right now because stopping the one rings card draw ability is nice, but you also kind of need something that is going to punch decks like hate cast and painter at the same time like those those decks will bully you if you don't properly respect them in many cases um i haven't followed its win percentage in the last two weeks here but eight cast was putting up just strong results week after week after week and had one of the higher prolonged win percentages in legacy and if the hate shifts in a way that that deck isn't respected. It's just going to come back stronger than ever. I do like that Orcish Bowmasters has pushed out decks that I don't like. Eight cast Doomsday, Bad Cephalid Breakfast Players. Uh, that is the greatest card that's been printed in the last two years uh, for specifically Brian Cook purposes. Yeah, I, I was going to say in a, a less egomaniacal way that Bowmasters is pretty rough for eight cast. Acast is a deck that's built on putting a bunch of creatures into play, then drawing a ton of cards. And Bowmasters kills all your creatures when you draw a ton of cards. And while you could go super tall with a single Urza Saga, a pair of seven sevens, never crack your baubles, good luck over there. That just plays harder into the dress down or whatever when you're not keeping that velocity going. Bobble, horrible top deck when you're already behind a Bowmaster. Uh, that's 
it, it's a real deck building cost to play Bobbles these days, as Bryant kind of mentioned earlier. And we didn't talk about it in the context of eight cast, but yeah, Bomat, like if you pop a Bobble at, at any point, your turn or mine, it doesn't matter. When that Bobble trigger goes off, I can cast Bowmaster, ping Emery, you draw your card, kill Emery with the second ping. Like that just, that play pattern is there and cuts one of the core engines out from under that deck. And Bowmasters cost two, and the Chalice of the Void aspect of the deck gets a lot worse there. So I think Acast is going to adopt the One Ring. I mean, that's another one. Ancient Tomb deck. Put it in. Yep. Yeah, just Ancient Tomb, Bobble, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal, One Ring, go. That's the play pattern. I'm also surprised I haven't seen the One Ring in higher numbers in Painter. Some of the top eight lists have just not had it or had it as like a two of... And I'm just surprised that it's that low. Like maybe they don't have the the life gain to offset it or whatever, but they have ways to like weld it in and out of play. Yeah, that seems amazing. But also they're a deck that gets to play Bowmasters too. So you get to be the Wondering deck that also has Orcish Bowmasters. Phil, you've solved Legacy. I honestly think that Grix's control with a one ring shouldered top end and Bowmasters and a ton of interaction at the low end might have legs here. When Hidetsuku Consumes All was printed, that kind of plugged a bunch of gaps that Grix has had in the metagame. And while that card kind of sucks now, uh, Bowmasters does a lot of the work that it would be doing. And I think there is a well-constructed Grixis deck with three one rings and two shouldreds. Minimum. There might be more of each, but start with a three and two at the top end and figure out the other 55 cards, because I think that's really good. All right. Do we have any closing thoughts here? Just any final words of wisdom or caution that uh, we want to impart on our listeners? Don't be afraid to adapt. It's okay to set down some cards that you were in love with in 2016, like Portent and Preordain. Play the One Ring, play the good cards, you'll win more. And uh, I'm sorry that those cards are no longer playable. We on this podcast, especially Bryant, are always pretty firm on no deck deserves to be viable. I know it it sucks when you invest in a legacy deck and maybe a new printing makes it a lot worse. If you want to succeed in the format, you got to be ready to move. And we're in a big time of motion right now. I guess the final thing that I'd like to say here is the format might be changing or you might even say warping around these cards that we talked about today but the gameplay is awesome like every time that i have sat down for legacy leaks like i have really enjoyed the gameplay with the exceptions of the time that i played a deck that just was not prepared to face orcish bowmasters and my one ones got bullied for three hours while i recorded that was on me for playing that not on the the gameplay experience itself that was me not adapting. Agreed. From a gameplay quality perspective, I would rather my opponent spend two mana on Orcish Bowmasters than Chalice of the Void. And all sorts of nonsense that we're used to as legacy players. Orcish Bowmasters does not pass the bullshit bar. It passes the playables bar. It leaps dramatically over the playable bar. But it's not bullshit. Not in the way that you know, Wasteland and Chalice of the Void and Show and Tell and all these things that we're very used to playing against are. I, I don't I have been asked by a number of people like should I just wait out for the ban? And I think no, because I don't think this card's going to get banned. At least uh, it's not on the radar yet. We'll see how things go. If anything we've talked about is anywhere near a ban radar, it's the one ring and it's in modern. And we'll see if that trickles down to legacy. But I think our format is a little better at handling a four drop that that doesn't immediately change the game. 